Welcome to another powerful teaching from Exodus Global. As a ministry, we are committed to inspiring a generation to develop a closer work with God. We urge that you pay attention to all that will be taught and see to it that you apply them. Let's dive right into the Word. Praise God. I want to welcome you to another continuation of the teaching series that we began at Reset 2023 titled The Man Christ Jesus. And in this particular episode or in this particular teaching, we're going to be continuing from the subtopic that we started looking at titled looking onto jesus so we have a subtopic under the man christ jesus which actually is the fourth objective of the teaching the man christ jesus which is you know learning about his earthly life and seeing how we can embrace jesus's earthly life into ours and inculcate um, his pattern of living into ours today so that is what informed the subtopic titled looking onto jesus and so this is looking onto jesus part two where it looked at part one where we talked about his intimacy with god and so in this second part of looking onto jesus we're going to be learning about jesus's obedience and humility whilst he walked upon the surface of the earth and i want to assure you that this teaching is going to do you a lot of good you know we're going to look right into the scriptures and learn about how jesus modeled obedience and how he modeled humility and how we can apply these same principles in our own lives today as christians let's pray father in the name of jesus we thank you because the entrance of your word is light unto us and the breath of your spirit grants us understanding standing into the scriptures thank you father because we're established in revelation knowledge of your word and we're able to be doers of your word and not hearers only in jesus mighty name i pray amen and amen glory be to god all right so looking on to jesus part two and we're learning about jesus's obedience and humility glory be to god now i want to start as a means of introduction i want to start this teaching from second corinthians chapter 11 just before we get into um the real deal of the teaching i just want to establish something so that whilst you're listening to this series of teachings on the man christ jesus you know you don't get to a place where somewhere in your mind you're beginning to think oh this is such a complex topic no all right which is why i want us to look at second corinthians chapter 11 specifically verse 3 and verse 4 all right so please i would encourage you to please open your bible to second corinthians chapter 11 from verse 3 to verse 4 second corinthians 11 verse 3 and verse 4 the bible says but i fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled eve through his subtlety so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ i think i can stop in verse 3 now what i'm just trying to show you is you know the latter part of this verse in fact the old part of this verse all right where paul is saying you see there is something called the simplicity that is in christ all right at no point where you're listening to this teaching on the man christ jesus you know having understood the doctrine of the trinity incarnation and you might have heard terms like the apostatic union and certain theological exegesis um talking about the significance of the man christ jesus talking about his divinity his humanity you know and everything that we have learned so far and we'll still be learning as we you know just look into this teaching on the man christ jesus listen i want you to understand all right that this is not complex all right the bible still clearly shows us all right that every single revelation of jesus we see in the scripture points us to the simplicity that is in him do you see god is not trying to be complex all right so when we learn all of this is not a complex revelation rather you know it's the word of god broken down to us in simple terms so that we can be established in the simplicity that is in christ all right and we can stand our ground and we can stand fast in the faith so that the devil you know will not be able to deceive us do you see glory to god now having established that let's go right into what we're learning in this teaching all right looking unto jesus is obedience and humility now the first thing i want to say on the subject of obedience looking at jesus as the template is that from the life of jesus we see that obedience is a fruit of intimacy let me say that one more time looking at the earthly life of jesus we learn that obedience is a fruit of intimacy which is why we first had to talk about you know jesus's intimacy with god as a man all right so we've established that when jesus came to the earth he came fully as man or he became man all right and he's still man even though he's fully god all right so when he came upon the earth he became fully man 
yet still be in God. And now he has ascended, you know, as a right hand father and, you know, as fully man, fully God, right? So now we must understand that when Jesus lived upon the surface of the earth, speaking of his humanity now, all right, speaking of him as a man and in him portraying that posture of obedience, we learn that obedience is a fruit of intimacy. Now, this sounds simple, but I want you to carefully ponder what I just said. Obedience is a fruit of intimacy, and we see this from the earthly life of Jesus. And why did I say that? Because it is through intimacy, trust is built. And you see, you obey because you trust. You remember that old hymn that says, trust and obey. So, obedience is a byproduct of trust, and trust is a byproduct of intimacy. So you see what I said, that obedience at the end of the day is a fruit of intimacy. Do you see? The first fruit of intimacy is trust, all right, which then leads to obedience. You obey because you trust, whether consciously or unconsciously. There is something at work in you sponsoring that obedience. Glory to God. So if we look at the earthly life of Jesus, one of the major reasons to which he could obey, you know, the Father was because he sustained his intimacy with God. So I want to encourage you, please, if you haven't listened to the teaching on intimacy with God, please, I want to encourage you, go ahead and listen to that part. All right, looking onto Jesus' intimacy with God is going to bless you a great deal. Now let's continue. So now having established that obedience is a byproduct of intimacy and trust, I want to further go ahead and say that when it comes to the revelation of God's love for man, unto salvation it is unconditional all right it is unconditional when we talk about the revelation of god's love for man unto salvation it is unconditional but you see when we talk about the experience of god's love being made manifest to a believer or in the life of a believer it is experienced based on conditions let me say that one more time so that nobody misinterprets what i'm saying and I'm going to explain what I'm saying in a minute. When it comes to the revelation of God's love for man, that is for every man, all right, unto salvation, it is unconditional. But when it comes to the experience of God's love, all right, or God's love being made manifest to a believer, someone that is already saved, it is an experience that happens conditionally i'll give an example of what i'm saying now god loves everyone right god's love is unconditional but when we say god's love is unconditional we must view it from the perspective of salvation in a salvific sense all right the love of god is unconditional but now the experience of that love in the life of a believer is based on conditions so God is willing to save man. In fact, God loves the unbeliever. Do you see? All right. And God will continually lavishly display his love or pour his love to an unbeliever to the end that the unbeliever might be saved. But you see, the ball is still in the court of the unbeliever to choose to accept Jesus as Lord so that such a person can come into the full experience of God's love. Now, when someone believes the gospel, all right, when you get born again, when we get saved, the experience of that love is conditional. Please, I want you to follow what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying this carefully so that nobody misinterprets it. All right. Now, Paul the Apostle was praying in Ephesians chapter 3. We will start our reading from verse 16 thereabout. And he was praying for the church in Ephesus that, you know, they would come to the understanding of what is the height, what is the depth, what is the length, and what is the breadth of the love of God. In Christ Jesus. So you see the layers of expression of God's love. So it is possible that a believer, and the interesting part of that prayer is that it was praying that, you know, that prayer was for the saints, right? If you go to Ephesians 3, I think verse 17 there about, that prayer was for the saints. Maybe we should even just read it. Ephesians chapter 3, um, verse 17. Can you open your Bible and see this for yourself? All right. This will further explain what I'm trying to say. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 17. So let's start from verse 14 for context sake. Now look at this. Ephesians 3 verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family 
in heaven and earth is named, verse 16, that it will grant unto you according to riches of glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, I want you to pay close attention to verse 17 and verse 18. Look at this. Paul the Apostle Stephen and he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, in a few seconds, we're going to see what he's talking about here. All right. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, now look at verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. So he was talking to believers, he was speaking to the saints, and then he categorized the love of God or the expression of the love of God into four dimensions. He talked about the breadth, he talked about the length, he talked about the depth and the height. So these are people who are saved. These are people who have believed in the love of God unto salvation. All right. Now he's talking about the experience of that love. He's saying that, you see, one of the ways by which you come into the experience of that love is by prayer. Do you see what I'm saying now? So when it has to do with salvation, the love of God is unconditional. But you see, when it has to do with the experience of that love that is lavishly poured out unto all men, that love that is lavishly displayed by God, when it comes to the experience of it in our lives, all right, it is conditional. There are things we need to do to come into the experience of that love. One of which is prayer, like I said earlier. Another is the study of the word, because it's in the place of studying the word, all right, that we're able to come into the experience. We see the love of God in scriptures. We see the depth of God's love. God speaks to us from his word. He assures us. And you see, that experience of his love is there. See, that's why it looks as though sometimes some people feel as though God loves them. You know, God loves certain people more than he loves them. All right. God loves everyone equally. Don't get me wrong, all right? God loves everyone equally. The Bible says, well, well, yes, sinners, Christ died for us. So, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So, God loves everyone, believer or unbeliever. God loves every single person equally, all right? But when it has to do with the experience of his love that has been made available, you know, it is up to us to meet up with certain conditions which God has set for himself. Do you see what I'm saying now? Glory to God. And one of the ways by which we come into the experience of the manifested love of God is by obedience and humility. So the only reason why I just mentioned all I did in the last few minutes was to get to this point, all right, that one of the major ways, I haven't talked about prayer, I haven't talked about studying the word of God, one of the major ways by which we experience the manifested love of God as believers is by obedience and humility. And I'm going to show you scriptures to just back this up. Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 21. John chapter 14 and the 21st verse. The Bible says, and I read, He that has my commandments and keeps them, it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him. I'm still in verse 21 of John chapter 14, it says, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This is Jesus speaking here. Do you see? Remember that all that Jesus began to do and teach, don't forget, you know, that being our template, you know, when we're talking about looking unto Jesus, all right, that all that Jesus began to do and teach, all right, as we see in the writings of Dr. Luke, as recorded in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. So we see Jesus saying here in John chapter 14 and verse 21 that for the person who loves his commandments, who has his commandments and obeys them, another word for keep, you know, is to obey, all right? Jesus says, such a person is the person that loves me. Now watch this. He says, as a result of having my commandments, keeping them and doing them, you will experience all right the love of the father you're going to experience it and you would experience it in a manifested way are you following what i'm saying here if you go to verse 23 and then we'll jump to verse 25 we're going to understand this better look at verse 25 the bible says jesus answered and said unto him if a man love me he will do what he will keep my words and my father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him now you must not forget that jesus when he was upon the surface of the earth was fully man even though he was fully God. So certain things that he said, all right, he said them as God. Do you see? So when Jesus is saying here, all right, that, you know, I and my father will make our abode with him, he's pointing to that divinity. 
you know, it's pointing to that divine side of him as God. That you see, one of the ways you can experience the manifest love of God, all right, in your life as a child of God is by obeying the Lord, is by obeying his commandments. Do you see? And Jesus modeled this by his earthly life. And if we jump to verse 25 of John chapter 14, verse 25, the Bible says, These things I have spoken unto you, being present with you. Now look at verse 26. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to you. Remember, whatsoever things I have said to you. So why again is the Holy Spirit given to the believer? One of the major assignments of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer is to help us to obey God. Are you following what I'm saying here? All right, that's one of the major assignments of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is teaching us one of the ways by which we can enjoy the love of God in experience, being manifest to us. And he says one of the major secrets is obedience. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So Jesus patterned his love for God through his obedience. Remember in John chapter 14 and verse 21, he talked about the fact that the person who has his commands and keeps them is the person that loves him. All right. So it means that if Jesus is teaching it, all right, it means he was living it. You must understand this, that everything that Jesus thought, he did. All right. Don't forget that everything that Jesus thought he did and so for jesus to teach us obedience and then pointing us to the fact that you see your obedience is a, is a demonstration of your love towards god it means that when jesus lived upon the surface of the earth all right or as the template of how the born again man ought to live all right um unto god we see that jesus patterned his love for god by his obedience glory be to god Glory be to God. I, I believe you're getting this introduction and this is blessing you. Now let's look at Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 to verse 8. The Bible says, Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you see? So looking unto Jesus, right? Let this mind be in you. There was a certain type of mindset. There was a certain way of thinking that Jesus had. All right. Now he's saying, let his mind be in you. All right. Who being in the form of God, verse 6, Philippians 2 verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, he made himself of no reputation and he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So in Jesus becoming a man, living all of that glory in heaven, all right, and then choosing to come to the earth, not just fully as God alone, but fully as man, putting on that earthly body, all right, he, he showed the pattern for obedience and humility. And we're going to still look at it as we continue in this teaching. Do you see? Now, look at this. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, Be, being found in fashion as a man, that is, he became a man, he humbled himself. So, Jesus is our template to understand humility. It says, the Bible says, he humbled himself. And what's the next thing that we see here? The Bible says, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you see? So, Jesus demonstrated his love towards god by his humility and his obedience and he is expecting that we would also do same by our humility and our obedience so our humility and our obedience towards god is beyond just a moral excellence issue it's bigger than that it's an act of worship because worship talks about our response to god Glory to God. Because one of the definitions of worship is our response of love towards God in view of his love for us. I think I should say that again. That one of the definitions of worship is our response of love towards God in view of his love towards us. So our humility and our obedience is bigger than what we think it is. It's actually a demonstration of our love towards God, all right? And, and that was all Jesus was saying in John chapter 14 and verse 21, that, you see, if you want to demonstrate to God that you love Him, it's not just by singing, I love you forever, I love you, Lord, and all of that. Good songs, great songs, and we should sing them, but it's beyond just singing them, all right? One of the major ways by which we demonstrate this love towards God is by our humility and our obedience, because Jesus set the pace jesus patterned this by his lifestyle glory be to god we see that in philippians 2 from his 5 to verse 8 
another scripture that points this to us clearly is hebrews chapter 2 hebrews chapter 2 verse 7 to verse 9 and i want you to pay close attention to these scriptures all right hebrews chapter 2 from verse 7 to verse 9 hebrews 2 verse 7 to verse 9 the bible says thou made him a little, a little lower than angels that is speaking of jesus thou crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hands look at verse 8 Verse 8 says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Now look at this. But now we see yet all things put under him. Now look at verse 9. This is very powerful. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. Everybody please look at it as you're listening to me. Open your Bibles and see this for yourself. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. The Bible says, But we see Jesus. Oh, glory to God. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than angels. This is humility. Are you following what I'm saying? We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Humility for the suffering of death. If you corroborate this with Philippians 2 from verse 6 to verse 8, you see, all right, that humility being portrayed. He made himself a little lower than angels. He took upon the form of a man. He became a man. Do you see? Now look at this. It says, For the suffering of, of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Do you see? So, this is humility being displayed. Wow. Glory to God. This is humility being displayed. Now, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 to verse 9. We're going to learn again about the humility and obedience as a template and a pattern for us who are born again. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Everybody open your Bibles and see this yourself. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. The Bible says, Who in the days of his flesh, that is speaking of Jesus, when he had offered prayers and supplications with strong cries and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. That is Jesus prayed. You see, so if you are looking for a reason, why should you pray? Jesus prayed. And was heard in that he feared. So Jesus feared God. If you are looking for a reason, why should I fear God? Jesus feared God. Now look at verse 8. Though he were his son, that is Jesus were his son, the Bible says he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Now this is powerful. This is powerful. I want you to pay attention. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience. Why did he learn obedience? Continue the reading. Look at verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Everybody see this. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Why did he learn obedience? The Bible says, Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. He learned obedience that we might obey. Hey, hey, did you hear that? Jesus learned obedience in his earthly life. He portrayed obedience that we might learn through him how we ought to obey. Are you following what I'm saying here? So two things that I want you to take note of, or even three things that I want you to take note of in this introductory part of the teaching is number one, that if we are going to come into the experience of the manifest love of God, obedience is one of the major ways to do that. All right, obedience is one of the major ways to do that. And I gave us scriptures to corroborate that. John chapter 14, verse 21, down to verse 26. All right, number two is that our obedience and our humility, all right, portrays or demonstrates our love for God. Because when we look at the earthly life of Jesus, his obedience and his humility demonstrated his love for God. And then the third point, what we just looked at in Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 7 to verse 8, that Jesus learned obedience that through him we might learn obedience. By looking at his example, we might learn obedience. So if you want to understand obedience, how to obey, why to obey, you look at Jesus. Jesus being our perfect example. You see, you have to understand everything that Jesus did as a man, he did it for us and he did it as us. You have to understand this. He did it for us. He did it as us. On a separate teaching, we're going to talk on the doctrine of, you know, substitution and identification. You know, in one of our later teachings, you want to look forward to that. But you see, everything that Jesus did as a man, he did it as us. All right. Speaking of the believer now, he did it as us, you know, and then he did it for us. Do you see? So Jesus learned obedience as a template, as a pattern that we might learn obedience through him. Do you see? So the three points again. For someone that's probably taking notes, all right. Number one is that 
one of the ways by which we come to the experience of God's love being made manifest to believers is through our obedience and of course our humility as well number two is that Jesus demonstrated his love for God by his humility and obedience and by his humility and his obedience and we must also do same number three is that Jesus learned obedience by his earthly life so that he can serve as the perfect template for the born-again man to also learn obedience. Now, having established these three points as a means of introduction, I want us to look at how did Jesus express his humility and obedience, all right? Because, you see, Jesus learned obedience as a template for us to learn obedience. So now we have to understand how did he express his humility and his obedience. Number one is that Jesus expressed his humility and his obedience through service. All right, if we're going to be able to apply the same, all right, we must understand how he did it. So, how did Jesus express his humility and his obedience? All right, through service, service to God and service to man. You see, Jesus served God with purpose in view, and Jesus served man with purpose in view. Jesus prioritized the purpose to which he came, all right and he served god having that purpose in mind if we look into the scriptures and then we go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 20 all right after jesus had read of the prophecy about himself as recorded in isaiah chapter 61 in verse 20 of luke chapter 4 the bible says and jesus closed the book and he gave it to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all the, of them that were in the synagogue were fasting on him verse 21 it says and he began to say unto them these days this scripture fulfilled in your ears what that now that statement is very powerful in essence what jesus was trying to say is that you see up until now all right my assignment had not begun even though i had i had the gifting for the assignment but it was not yet time so jesus was waiting for the perfect time because you see there are certain things in the line of purpose that have to do with time there is a time for everything do you see and so jesus even though he was eager to serve all right but there was a timing to the manifestation of his purpose. Are you following what I'm saying? There was a timing to the manifestation of his purpose. And so at age 12, he could argue about the law and the Torah and all of those things with the Sadducees and the anti-Pharisees. All right. He was vast in the scriptures as at age 12. In fact, I believe that Jesus most likely would have already started performing miracles even at that age, even from when he was young. All right, because of course, for his mother to know that he could turn water to wine, definitely she must have seen some stuff in private. All right, but Jesus understood that where his purpose in terms of his public ministry was concerned, the time was not yet right until you know this point as recorded in Luke chapter 4. Are you following what I'm saying here? And theologians would argue that it was about 30 years or some say 28 years, but that doesn't matter. The point is that, you see, Jesus, one of the ways, but the point here is this, that one of the ways by which Jesus obeyed God and lived his life in humility towards God and also towards men is through service. And not just, you know, service as it were, all right, but that is served with purpose in view. Do you see? So there was a timing to him living and serving with purpose in view. Do you see? Jesus esteemed others by serving them. We see scriptures like Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, you know, showing this to us. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Let's just go there together and just see what the Bible says. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Now, the Bible says, Jesus speaking here, that for the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. The word minister, there is the same word for service, right? Diaconia in the Greek. It says, for the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he showed us, you know, this is my assignment. This is my purpose. I have come to serve. Do you see? So if we are going to learn from the earthly life of Jesus with regards to humility and obedience, one of the ways we are going to express our humility and our obedience today is by our service to God and our service to men. And you will see this in the writings of Paul the Apostle where he says that I serve God with humility. 
do you see? And the Bible also records about David in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36 that David served God in his generation according to the will of God. Do you see? So one of the ways by which we can express our humility and obedience using Jesus as our pattern, all right, is through service. If we are going to walk in humility and obedience like Jesus did, we must be ready to serve God with the purpose of God in view, all right, and then serve men with God's purpose in view, and we must be willing to also walk with divine timing. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So I believe the first point is said to so how did Jesus express his humility and obedience? Number one, through service. Let's move on to the second point. Another way by which Jesus expressed his humility and obedience towards God and towards men is by absolute devotion to God. Jesus trusted God. Jesus as a man, of course, all right, trusted God. When we look at his earthly life, we see the demonstration of trust. Like I said earlier on, obedience is a fruit of trust and trust is a fruit of intimacy, right? So Jesus trusted God. He obeyed because he trusted God. If we go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, we're going to go down to verse 23. The Bible says, For even here unto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. So Jesus wanted us to follow us in his steps, right? He gave us an example. So we're looking at his life being the perfect example, you know, him being our perfect example, right? Verse 22, the Bible says he did no sin. Now, this is a revelation on his own self, right? That Jesus did no sin. And since he's our perfect example and we're supposed to walk in his steps, all right, the first thing that Peter says here is that he did no sin. So it means that every believer ought to make this our benchmark. This ought to be our standard. That you see, as a believer, all right, I must strive to live my life, you know, in that total victory above sin. But we're going to talk about that some other time. I just wanted to just emphasize on that. Now, the Bible says, neither was guile found in his mouth, right? Look at verse 23. The Bible says, who when he was reviled and reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed, watch this, watch this, glory to God. The Bible says he committed himself to him that judged righteously. This is so powerful. Do you know what this means? In essence, he's saying that, you see, Jesus trusted God with his life. Yeah. He didn't just trust God with his words. Jesus trusted God with his life. Jesus died as a man. Don't forget that right so you see even to the point of death right jesus humbled himself so one of the ways by which he expressed his humility and obedience all right was in that he trusted god if we look at this verse in first Peter chapter 2 and verse 23 in the new international version in niv we're going to see this better it says when they all their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly are you singing this jesus trusted god with his life it's a template for every believer today that you see if god did not fail with jesus he cannot fail with your life i want you to hear what i'm saying and hear it well if god did not fail with jesus and jesus did not fail in his assignment god cannot fail in your life god cannot fail with your life but you see you have to stay in your assignment you have to trust god in your assignment you have to trust god in the purpose that he has called you in the agenda in his will in his intent for your life you have to trust him i say it again if god did not fail with that salvation project you know that was to come to mankind through jesus and jesus trusted god with his life and god didn't fail with jesus he can't fail with you because now you're in christ are you following what i'm saying here so if we are going to express our humility and our obedience one of the ways we must do that is by absolute devotion by absolute trust you remember that scripture in proverbs 3 from verse 5 it says trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path do you see verse 7 says fear the lord and depart from evil so we must trust the lord with all our hearts because this is what our lord and savior did when he lived upon the surface of the earth the bible says first peter 2 and verse 23 niv that he entrusted himself to him who judges righteously jesus trusted god jesus as a man trusted god and we must do same jesus as a man trusted god and we must do same like i said he did this as you he did this for you everything he did as a man he did it as you he did it for you that you may learn how you now in him ought to live 
Are you following what I'm saying? All right. You remember that scripture, Galatians 2 and verse 20, that says, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, but no longer high willings. But Christ lives in me. And this life I live, in this mortal body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What that means is, how did he operate upon the surface of the earth? How did the Son of God live amongst men? How did he live as a man? All right. I live this life. This newfound life in Christ, all right, Christ living in and through me, how do I live that life, all right, by seeing how did he live the life. That's what it means to say the faith of the Son of God, all right, it means that he lived, so how, how did he live this life, that's what he was talking about, you know, that's one of the things that Paul meant when he was talking about the faith of the Son of God, that is how did he operate upon the earth. That's how I'm supposed to operate to. And one of the ways he operated upon the earth was by demonstrating his trust, trust and absolute devotion to god yeah and god will have us do same glory to god and so the first expression of jesus's humility and obedience towards god and then of course towards man as well all right is through service and in the place of service we talk about purpose we talk about timing right all right and then the second way through which jesus expressed his humility and obedience is trust and absolute devotion towards god number three all right, the third way by which Jesus expressed humility and obedience, especially towards God, was total dependence on God. Total dependence on God. You see, we talked about Jesus as a man praying earlier on, right? You know, so Jesus as a man prayed for that to be a demonstration of his dependence on God. Do you see? So Jesus fully dependent on God. So if we're going to express our humility and our obedience, towards god especially all right we must totally depend on god and i'm going to just show you a few scriptures where jesus you know showed us this in john chapter 5 verse 17 to verse 19 and then verse 30 and then we'll go to john chapter 8 so let's look at it together john chapter 5 verse 17 to verse 19 the bible says but jesus answered them my father work hitherto i walk look at verse 18 it says therefore the jews sought the more to kill him because he had not only broken the sabbath but said also that god was his father making himself equal with god now let me just quickly explain what's going on here now if you look at verse 17 john chapter 5 verse 17 jesus said my father walk hitherto i walk and then verse 18 these guys are angry the jews are angry you know because they felt as though for jesus to say that he's trying to compare himself with god what did that mean jesus was trying to say in verse 17 when he said you know my father walk either do i walk he was trying to say you see if you want to understand how the father walks look at me are you following what i'm saying so jesus this was jesus revealing his divinity glory to god is this exciting you as much as it's exciting me right go back and see this for yourself john chapter 5 verse 17 he says but jesus answered my father works either do i walk so he was trying to show that you see if you want to understand how the father works look upon the son are you following what i'm saying that's why the writer of hebrews in hebrews chapter one now talks about the fact that you see god had you know god has hundred times and in diverse manners spoken to the fathers through the prophets but now in these last days he speaks through his son so if you want to understand the father you look at the son and then verse 2 verse 3 talks about the fact that he being the express image of the father so you want to understand the father you look upon the son do you see so this was what the Jews understood and then they were offended and then they wanted to kill Jesus because they felt this is blasphemy. How can you be comparing yourself with God? How can you be saying that, you know, if we look at you, we will see how the Father works? Are you getting what I'm saying? So that was the drama that was playing out in John chapter 5, verse 17 to verse 18. I believe you get this, right? Now, go to verse 19. Verse 19, this is the dependency part. So verse 17 and verse 18 was just a bonus for somebody that probably just wanted to understand what was going on. Now, if you go to John chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says, Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For, for whatsoever things he does, that is, whatsoever things the Father does, alright, this also does the Son likewise. So this points back to what I was trying to explain about verse 17 and verse 18, right? That, when you look upon the son you understand how the father behaves you understand how the father operates which is why i mentioned when i was teaching us on the significance of the man christ jesus that is the perfect representation of god to man right so if you want to understand how the father thinks you look unto jesus if you want to understand how the father talks look unto jesus if you want to understand how the father works you look unto jesus right but i just want to bring out the dependence part here all right which is the hellier part of verse 19 all right john to the 5 verse 19 he says the son can do nothing of himself 
all right but what is his the father do do you see so jesus as a man displayed that dependence that total dependence on god that you see i can't do anything by myself and and if you remember in john chapter 15 and verse 5 jesus is teaching us the same thing that you see as believers without him we can do nothing do you see so everything jesus taught us he did he lived what he taught that was why he taught us are you following what i'm saying now you see the correlation right so jesus is teaching us in john 15 verse 5 that we have to totally depend on him we have to abide in him and all of that all right because without him we can do nothing now in john chapter 5 verse 19 he's saying i can't do anything right without the father i maintain my communion with the father because the strength of everything i do depends on that communion with the father total dependence now if we jump very quickly john chapter 8 verse 26 to verse 29 i know i said i was going to do john chapter 5 verse 30 but i think i should just skip that all right let's go to john chapter 8 verse 26 to verse 29 john chapter 8 verse 26 to verse 29 the bible says i have many things to say and to judge of you but he that sent me is true and i speak to the world those things which i have heard of him verse 27 they understood him not that he speak of the father verse 28 then said jesus unto them when you have lifted up the son of man then you shall know that i am him that i do nothing of myself do you see that again dependence 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 all right he was always dependent on the father he showed his dependence on god so as believers all right when we look unto jesus and we are learning about his humility and his obedience and how we can express the same all right one of the things we must look at is the fact that jesus totally dependent on god there was never a moment in the earthly life of jesus when he stopped depending on god he always depended on god wouldn't our lives be better as christians if we always depend on god every minute every second every hour every day every week every month every year do you see if we're going to live our lives the way jesus did if we're going to follow in his example then we must totally depend on God as a major way by which we express our humility and obedience. Glory to God. I trust that that point blessed you. Now let's move to the fourth point. All right. How did Jesus express his humility? Now let's move to the fourth point on how Jesus expressed his humility and obedience. Now this is clearly related to the third one, but slightly different. All right. Which is this. Jesus, as a man of course, did nothing outside the will of god jesus as a man did nothing outside the will of god like i said this is closely related to the third point that talk about total dependence so number four is that jesus as a man did nothing outside the will of god jesus lived his earthly life in the will of god in fact from the inception of him coming as a man it was in the will of God till his very ascension in the will of God. Even now that he's seated in heaven fully as man, even though he's fully God as well, you know, he's still in the will of God. So in his earthly life and ministry, Jesus did nothing outside the will of God. He did nothing. Everything he did was in the will of God. Everything. Everything. This, this is a lesson for us. Now I'm going to make a statement which I had the man of God, you know, say a few years back and i th- and, and i believe it to be so true and what he said was this he said the safest place for a man to be or for a believer now to be is in the will of god yeah and i agree that the most secure place you can be as a child of god is in the will of god because you see if we are always locked up in the center of god's will for our lives all right right there is the provision that we need right there is the protection that we need Right there is the grace that we need. Right there is the wisdom that we need. There are certain things we need to pray for if we're just in the will of God. You know, and now that we're talking about the will of God, I would encourage you that one of the prayers you should pray every single day is that, Father, help me to stand perfect and complete in your will. Like Epaphras prayed in Colossians 4 and verse 12, that we stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Do you see? 
Jesus did nothing in his earthly life and ministry. He did nothing outside the will of God. John chapter 4 and verse 34. Whilst we're opening our Bibles to John chapter 4 and verse 34, I want you to think about this. When the devil came and then he tempted Jesus and then he said, Turn stone to bread. Now, this is the same Jesus who had turned water to wine, right? So, is there a problem really in him turning stone to bread? Think about it. But what was Jesus more concerned about? Was it a demonstration of his power? Because he already showed he could do that. By him turning water to wine, he definitely could turn stone to bread. But Jesus was more concerned about doing the will of God. You see, sometimes we will not fall susceptible to temptations, trials, challenges, and deceptive tactics of the enemy if only we will prioritize the will of God above all other things. The will of God. Jesus did nothing outside the will of God. Let's go to our scripture, John chapter 4 and verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This was Jesus' perspective. This was his mindset. Remember Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. This was the mindset that Jesus had. That my meat, my desire, my utmost desire is to do the will of the Father. This was what he lived for. This was what Jesus died for. The will of God. To do the will of God. Oh, glory be to Jesus. If we look at verse 30 or John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 30. If you look at this, Jesus speaking, he says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Why? Because I seek not my own will. So Jesus had the will. Because every man has their own will so this other this further goes to prove you know that jesus came as a man right because he had his own will but look at this he says i do not seek my will but i seek the will of the father who has sent me jesus always desired to do the will of the father and as believers who are going to express our humility and our obedience just as jesus did we must desire to do everything that we do in the will of God. Whatever is not done in the will of God is sin. Anytime we do anything contrary to the will of God is sin. This is why the Bible says Jesus did not sin. Because everything that Jesus did, he did in the will of God. Every conversation, every step he took, everything he did was in the will of God. See, I want you to become so passionate about the will of God as you listen to me. That like Jesus, he would say, my meat, my greatest desire, my greatest satisfaction comes from doing the will of God. If we go to John chapter 10 and verse 17 to verse 18, we're going to do these verses in KJV and then in the Passion Translation, TBT. John chapter 10 and verse 17. I want you to see this. Glory to God. Look at your Bibles and see this for yourself. The Bible says, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. So, in essence, Jesus is saying, you see, I could have chosen not to die, but I did. Why? Because I was more concerned about doing the will of the one who sent me. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, No man can take it from me, but I lay down my life. I lay down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. So, even though he had the power, you know, you see, you see I'm not dying. You know, if I if I'm stand if I stand in my full strength as God, I choose not to die. But no, Jesus submitted that. He submitted His will. He said, "I'm going to do the will of the Father. I'm going to do the will of God. That's what matters most. That's what matters most. That's what matters most. Every time we have this promptings by the Holy Ghost. Remember, I said that one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit." was given to us was so that we may obey God. So every time we have the promptings by the Holy Spirit to obey God, to live our lives in humility, to act in humility, it's towards the end that we may do the will of God. And every time we disobey, we are doing contrary to the will of God. Jesus said, listen, I could have decided not to die. Yeah. Remember when he was at Gethsemane and he prayed it three times. We're going to see this in the fifth point. You know, few times not my will but your will be done not my will but your will be done when he was teaching us prayer in Luke chapter 11 verse 2 he says when you pray say our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name thy kingdom
kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, thy will be done. He was so concerned about the will of the Father being done. If you look at these verses, John chapter 10, verse 17 and verse 18, in the Passion Translation in TPT, I already said we're going to look at that. And I want us to see it. Look at this. It says, the Father has intense love for me because, you see what I was saying earlier on, that when it has to do with the experience of God's manifest love, it is conditional. So you see it again here. You see, right? <laughs> that if we're going to come to that experience of that manifested love, we have to walk in obedience. That's what you see here. John chapter 10 and verse 17, it says the father has intense love. It didn't mean the father did not love him before. But it's talking about the manifestation of that love was because of something he did. And so also, if we are going to walk in the experience of that manifestation of God's love, we got to do stuff. We have to do something. We got work to do. Are you following what I'm saying here? In the place of obedience, in the place of humility, in the place of prayer, in the place of fasting, in the place of yielding to the Holy Spirit, in the place of study of the Word, and so many other spiritual disciplines, right? And by the way, we have been teaching on spiritual disciplines. You might want to check that out, right? So look at verse 17, John chapter 10 and verse 17. It says, the Father has intense love for me because I freely, free, that's the key word, I freely give my own life. Do you see? To raise it up again. Look at verse 18. It says, I surrender my own life. And no one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay down, the power to bring it back again. This is the destiny my father has set before me. Look at this. That is, Jesus was more concerned about fulfilling his God-ordained destiny. I mean, many of us Christians now are so concerned about, you know, I, I have this plan for my life. I have this I want to do. Can we just lay all of that aside and ask the Lord, Father, what is your plan for me? Five years from now, what's your plan for me? Ten years from now, what's your plan for me? And I know sometimes people are always scared to ask God what is his plan for them because we feel that many times, you know, the plan of God is usually lesser than our own plans. But remember Jeremiah chapter 29. It says the thoughts I think towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil. So the plans he has for every every one of us are plans of good. So whether it is they look like your plan, whether it is they look bigger or lesser than your plans, you've got to understand that his plans are always better than yours. And Jesus understood this, which was why he subscribed to the plan of the Father. Glory be to God. And this was why he subscribed to the plan of the Father. Glory be to God. Like I said earlier on, Jesus told us to live in obedience because he did sin. You know, he taught us to keep the Father's command because he did sin. If we go to John chapter 15 and verse 10, John chapter 15 and verse 10, let's just go back to KJV, John chapter 15 and verse 10, John chapter 15 and verse 10, it says, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Even as I have kept his commandments. So you see that now. He's not telling us to do what he didn't do. He's not telling us to obey God that he didn't obey. This is the mindset we must have. Jesus lived his life in the will of God. He did nothing outside the will of God. He submitted his life to the will of God. Let me show you one more scripture. One more scripture on this fourth point and then we do the fifth and final point and we close this teaching. I believe this has blessed you, right? You want to definitely get this teaching across to somebody. Someone has been looking for, okay, obey God, obey God. How do I obey God? This teaching is the answer using Jesus as our pattern. But now, now, I'm not saying this is everything you need to know about obedience, but within the confines of this teaching, all right, looking down to Jesus is obedience and humility. These five points that I'm showing us in this teaching, I'm yet to talk about the fifth, but these five points, you know, point us to how Jesus expressed his humility and his obedience. All right, so the final scripture on the fourth point, which is that Jesus as a man did not answer the will of God, is Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 to verse 7. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 to 7. We'll do this in TPT and maybe Amplified Classic. All right. Glory to God. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7 in TPT. The Bible says, So I said to you, that is Jesus, I said to you, God, I will be the one to go down and do your will. Do you see? So in Jesus coming to die for man, all right, 
he was concerned about the will of God. He says, to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. So one of the ways by which we know the will of God for us is in his word, which is why I talked earlier on, you know, about the place of, you know, prioritizing the word of God as one of the ways by which we can walk in the experience of that manifest love of God, right? So if we're going to walk in the will of God, we must walk in his word because the word of God reveals to us the will of God. If you want to know the will of God about any situation, any challenge, any trial, anything you're going through, good or bad, look into the word. The word of God has an answer. The word of God always points us to the will of God pertaining to any issue. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. So Jesus says, you see, I want to do your will because I want to do what has been written of me in your word. Do you see that now? If we jump to verse 9, verse 9 says, Hebrews 10 and verse 9, it says, And he said, God, I will be the one to go down and do your will. So Jesus was always concerned about the will of the Father. He wanted to do the will of God. And he stayed in the will of God. He stayed in the will of God. If we, if we do this verse in Amphite Classic, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17, in Amphite Classic, it says, Then I said, Behold, here I am, coming to do your will, O God. So his concern was the will of God. The will of God. Verse 9, same thing. He then went on to say, Behold, here I am, coming to do your will. He, he understood this. And this, you know, was one of the ways he expressed his humility and his obedience. You see, all of the other events that took place, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cleansed the lepers, he died on the cross. And, and all of that can just be summed up into this, the will of God. Do you know that he said, all that I see my father do, I do, right? It means that if he did not sense it was the will of God for him to heal a certain person, he was not going to heal that person. If he didn't sense it was the will of God for him to raise the dead, he was not going to raise the dead. He was more concerned about the will of God. Do you know there were several people who were dead that Jesus didn't raise from the dead? At least as recorded in the scriptures. There were people who were blind that Jesus did not fix their eyesight. As recorded in scriptures. I'm not saying you know, every blind person Jesus met as recorded in scriptures, he healed them. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying to you that Jesus did the will of God. So for every healing, for every preaching, for every teaching, for every movement, everything he did was in the will of God. He was always concerned about the will of God. He was always, always concerned about the will of God. Do you see? And you see, if we're going to live effective Christian lives, using Jesus as our template, we must ensure that we do nothing outside the will of God. We must not take any decision outside the will of God. The will of God must be our utmost priority in all that we do as believers glory to god now let's go to the fifth point now the fifth point on how jesus expressed his humility and obedience which in my opinion and i believe this is also um, established in the scriptures is the greatest demonstration of his humility and obedience was or is by his death all right in jesus dying right it demonstrated his humility and obedience you see it's it's one thing to live for what you believe but it's another thing to die for what you believe it's one thing for you to live for purpose you know and it's another thing for you to die for purpose do you see you know somebody once said something that until you find what you're willing to die for you've not started living and i think that jesus had that kind of mindset all right that he knew, you see, I was going to die for this assignment. I was going to die for these people. My assignment was to die, you know. So he lived with death in view. Glory to God. So I believe strongly, and like I said earlier, establishing this from scriptures, not just my opinion, all right, that the greatest demonstration of his humility and his obedience was demonstrated by his death. Uh, now, am I saying we all need to go, you know, get ourselves hung upon the cross and then die because we're looking unto Jesus and all that? That's not what I'm saying. But you see, you have to understand that if we are going to walk in humility and obedience, there are certain things in us that need to die. There are certain ways of thinking that probably we used to think those certain ways before we became born again. Those thoughts need to die. There are certain things we used to say. There are certain ways we used to behave. These things need to die. 
Our ambition needs to die. Do you see? Remember Jesus said, if any man will follow me, let him take up his own cross. So we might not all need to go to the cross and die on the cross, but there is a cross for every believer to bear. Let me say this again. We might not all need to go to the cross and die on the cross, but there is a cross for every believer to bear. So my question to you is, what is your own cross? What is that one thing that the Lord is pointing to you and is saying, you see, this has to go. This has to die. So that, you know, in the death of that thing, you might find true life. Because Jesus did not just die alone. He was raised from the dead. So we learn from Jesus that, you know, when you allow certain things to die, all right, certain things can then spring up. Glory be to Jesus. So I believe having looked at these five points, you've learned a great deal on how Jesus expressed his humility and obedience. Let's just run over the five points again and then we conclude this teaching. Number one is that Jesus served, all right? Through his service, he demonstrated through his service to, towards God and towards man in view of purpose and timing. Jesus demonstrated his humility and obedience. Number two is that Jesus lived his life in absolute devotion and trust towards God. Number three is that Jesus lived his life in total dependence on God. Number four is that Jesus did nothing outside the will of God. And then number five is that Jesus demonstrated his humility and obedience towards God by him dying for man. Glory be to God. Now, don't forget a very important statement that I made somewhere in this teaching talking about the fact that, you see, obedience is a byproduct of trust and trust is a byproduct of intimacy. Alright, obedience becomes easy when intimacy with God is thriving. Let me say that again. Obedience towards God becomes easy when our intimacy with God is thriving. Now, as we wrap up this teaching, I feel still in my heart to pray this prayer with you. And I like that you agree in faith with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father, for revealing your word to us even through this teaching. I pray for myself and I agree in faith with my brothers and sisters. And I ask, O oh God, that by your spirit, you will continually reveal to us the wisdom in obeying you and the foolishness in disobeying you, that we may totally align our lives to your will and live our lives in humility and obedience at all times. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. God bless you. See you in the third part of this teaching on looking unto Jesus. Just in case you're yet to follow us on social media, you can do so at Exodus Global underscore on Instagram, at the Exodus Global on Facebook, and Exodus underscore Global on Telegram. For questions, counseling, and further inquiries, kindly send us a mail via the Exodus Global at gmail.com. We love and celebrate you. God bless you.